Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Great. Thank you, Pastor Mark. All these amazing, wonderful people in this church. Joan and I have been in this church nearly um, five years in August, officially. Coming a year before that, sneaking out of the church we used to be in and coming and finding the rich um, watering hole that exists here and all the good things that God is doing. And uh, we have gained a lot by being here in this church and um, our lives have grown. We've expanded in our understanding in the prophetic and in um, ministry. And it's been such a great backing churches to the times that I've gone out into different places of the world to share the word of God and um, just to know that there's great prayer backing and great prayer support and people who are interested and people who want to know what's happening. So um, we really appreciate you and we appreciate this church. We, we appreciate pastors Tom and Catherine. And um, I might as well jump right into that bit right there because Pastor Tom, I had a word for you. So if you want to get your microphone out, get your word out, so get your... Um, phone out. Uh, it just came to me um, yesterday and um, I felt like the Lord was um, brought your name to me straight and straight away he brought to me um, the word authentic. <laughs> no, he didn't bring the word authentic. I'll just turn this up here so I can get this right. Significant, significant. The word significant popped into my mind straight away and I felt like the Lord was really saying that your role and your place and your uh, function is significant in the body of Christ, not only in this church, but in the um, function of a position that you play that you probably don't even realize that actually slots into the body of Christ, that there's a place and there's a, a decisions and um, comments and understanding and wisdom that goes way beyond what probably you understand or you think about. And then the word signet came in, and I had the word significance, and then signet, the signet ring came into it, and I'd just like to read out this from Haggai chapter 2, verse 21 to 23. It's about Zerubbabel, the Lord's signet ring. And it talks about the word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I will shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of the foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers, horses, and their riders will fall each by the sword of his brother on that day. And we're in a day where certain catastrophe and calamity is happening and things are being shaken. And I just believe that this is for you, Pastor Tom, that says, on that day, declares the Lord, I will take you, my servant, calling out Zerubbabel at this time, son of Shealtiel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like my signet ring 
for I have chosen you, declares the Lord. Now that's significant, <laughs> significant, signet, uh, two different meanings maybe, but a signet ring was putting a stamp and I didn't realize this when, the, when today's um, virtue was authentic. That it's the seal, it's a ring made of a bronze that goes into wax or into clay to seal a decree and makes it authentic. It authenticates the decree. So I don't know how to weave all this together. It's not my job to interpret these things. I just give it out. So Pastor Tom, I just want to bless you with a, with a revelation and understanding. And I, said, I wrote down here, I feel the Lord is saying firstly that you are very precious. Oh, that's the other thing. A signet ring is precious to the owner. The signet ring is precious to the one who owns it. He wears you proudly. God wears you proudly on his right hand. Also, you are his stamp of approval in matters and decisions in the kingdom of God, whether it is in the spiritual realm, the logistical realm, the business matters realm, your decisions are extremely valuable and important in this church and beyond. Your approval authenticates the decision and the process for GCC to advance. So take that. It's free. I don't have any income uh, voice invoices or anything to send out, but that's great to see what God wants to do. I also feel like, I mean, I've been, haven't been here for weeks and weeks and I've got this backlog of prophecies that I've stored up. And one word, oh dear, there's a couple of things, and I just give them out because God said to me only just recently when I journal and I journal periodically about what God is saying, what is on his mind, what things are happening, what, how things go, etc. And he said to me, be still on the inside, but keep walking on the outside. Be still on the inside. Cultivate a place of stillness. Now we hear so much about intimacy here in this church. We're richly endowed with great teaching and ministry that encourages us for intimacy. And I agree 100%. Uh, Joan and I have approximately about an hour separate in the morning after breakfast just to spend time with the Lord, to meditate on the scriptures, to write down what he's saying. Then we come together and we pray for the next half hour for the world. You know, us two and Jesus have got a pretty authoritative power to change things in the world. I believe that. And so we spend that time of intimacy and and listening to the voice of the Lord. But the walking came from the Johnny Walker ad. I get lots of spiritual revelations from worldly sources. <laughs> and it's Johnny Walker ad is the guy is walking. It says, keep walking, keep walking. And it's the Spirit of the Lord saying, don't stall in the situation. Don't stall uh, because of the circumstances that are happening around about us. Don't get caught up in the slow of despond, a sort of a, a quicksand. Don't get focused on the stuff that's going on around. There's so much negativity heaping in on us that we can't allow that to stall us, but keep walking. But it comes from cultivating a place of quietness on the inside. And when God said to Moses, 
go forward, the Red Sea was in front of them. Three million people or whatever it was that came out of Egypt. The, the Egyptians are at this particular time pursuing Israel and God says to Moses, be still. <laughs> Don't panic. Be still. And he said to him, go forward. Now you can't go forward when there's a massive sea in front of you. And so he says to the Lord, what now? He says, stretch forth. God says, stretch forth your rod of authority over the sea. And it says he stood and he held that rod. Some people think that, think that it wasn't just a sort of standing there, but it was like an aggressive warrior-like smiting and smiting and smiting. He was energized. He was anointed. He was empowered. And he was smiting. And it says, all night a wind came, all night. A wind came and drove the water up so that it stood up on its end. Now Moses was active. He was still on the inside, but he was walking on the outside because he knew God's bigger than the situation. And I tell you what, I believe God's bigger than the situation. Another um, prophetic word I had was the beginning of last year. And as we entered 2019, I had a real sense that that year was going to be a, a great preparation year for the things that were going to come up in the next decade, which is now what we're into. And God just put it into my heart, you must have a militant spirit. You must have a militant spirit. And just before the election, um, Trevor and Meredith were away uh, on holidays and I was asked to come in three weeks before the election. I thought, yes, we're going to get militant. And, and the scripture that God said to me in Psalms was, strap your sword on your thigh. Strap your sword on your thigh. It's, 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 it's time to be militant. And so for that three weeks, right up to the election, we got militant. I love it. And Joan and I are militant. We, we, I can't help it. It's like there's an anointing to be militant. So with the word, be militant comes the anointing to be militant. Hallelujah. This little guy knows how to swing a sword. <laughs> Ambidextrous. Sword in each hand. <laughs> That's what the sons of Ephraim were. They, were. they were able to shoot with both hands and fight with both hands and everything. They were deadly guys. <laughs> but I believe that's an important thing. We believe God loves the nations. He owns the nations. I am absolutely convinced the devil owns nothing. The scripture says that uh, in, one, in 1 Corinthians 2, about the principles and powers, if they knew what would happen to them when they crucified Jesus Christ, they would never, ever have done it. Because it says there that they, the, the principles and powers who are coming to nothing. Listen to me. The principalities and powers are coming to nothing. And I love it in the Passion film, the movie. Oh, I love it. I love so many things about that horrific kind of movie because it was so graphic. But, oh, the, the illustrations and the symbolism was brilliant. And when it came to the point, like I think a woman played the part of Satan and all the stuff that was going on and whatever. But Jesus is now on the cross 
And, and as he says, it is finished. There's an aerial shot looking down on Satan, the person playing Satan. And he's looking up going, no! We're done. Shot to pieces. He knew it. He knew he was crushed. And uh, Jesus Christ, it says about his kingdom, that it's, what does it say in Isaiah? Of the increase of his kingdom and, and power, there's no end. And we want to just declare to everybody around the place that Satan doesn't own the planet. Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, his blood was poured out. At the whipping post in that movie, the blood was splattered two ways from two Roman soldiers beating the life out of Jesus and the blood was splattered this way and that way. And when he was on the cross and some other movies show it, I think Ben-Hur is a great one. I love Ben-Hur. The illustrations in that are phenomenal, especially about sonship. And, and slavery for the sonship and stuff like that is absolutely incredible. I can't go into that. Get off that, Barry. Quick. That the, 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 the mother and the daughter, both having leprosy, were hiding in a cave when Jesus died on the cross and the rain was pouring and, the, and they showed like blood running down the cross, the cross of the, the timber of the cross and it was running into the water and it was rivulets going out going out and it strikes me, I thought, the blood of Jesus, the highest price paid for the redemption of the whole universe was the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no gold, silver, precious stones in the whole universe brought together. It's nothing but a pile of dust in comparison to the value of the blood of Jesus. And when the blood touched the planet, Jesus Christ said, it's mine. I bought it. I bought it back. I bought it back. And I believe that he's, he's on the move to do stuff, to reclaim what belongs to him. And we have the privilege of riding with him on the white horse. The called, chosen and faithful are riding out with him to reclaim the planet. And I do not care what is going on, although I'm seriously concerned because in, in countries of the world that we go to, there's no hygiene, there's no social distancing. They don't have those, uh, those thoughts or those, that grafted into their cultural thinking at all. And in some countries that we've been to, the, the, the escalation, 20,000 per day, it's escalating. I get, call, uh, I get information from a number of different countries in the Pacific, subcontinent area and so on, the uh, Asia Pacific, etc., And it's not good. And without, I mean, we're fighting to find a vaccine for ourselves. But I just, I just want to say to you, we need to be militant. We cannot be indifferent. We cannot be passive. We've got to be aggressive. And we've got to do, uh, stand together as a mighty, mighty army, breaking this thing. It's a cruel, destructive thing. I get calls from other countries because there's a lot of judgmental, legalistic, kind of autocratic church life that goes on in a lot of these countries. And I feel I'm up against it when I'm trying to go in there with a different vision, a different view of who God is and how good he is. And um, so I get texts back. 
say, oh, the people in this place, the church, etc., all around the place, they're all saying this is God's judgment on our country. And I go, I nearly jump through the phone, get a hold of these guys and throttle them in the love of God, of course. Grace to them, grace to them. And I think this is not sin from God. God has not changed sides. The devil comes to kill, steal and destroy. But Jesus Christ came to give life and life more abundantly. I said, if, the, if Jesus brought this or God allowed this, you can't pray against it. You've got to lie there and die. Well, I'm not having that. Are you having that? Are you guys having that? We're not having it. Church, because Jesus Christ paid the ransom price for the planet, it belongs to him. Oh my goodness, this is not my message. God is so good. Let's go quick. We better start preaching. <laughs> that was just a warm up. Isaiah 64, just the, the power of the love and the grace and the goodness of God. I, I have been so exercised over the last number of years about eternity. What happened in eternity? What? See, many times I feel that we start with Genesis 1.1. But just in case you didn't know, God started before that. He's out of eternity and everything he did on earth was born in him in eternity. He did not, Father, Son, Holy Spirit did not come together one day and say, oh, look, let's do something spontaneous. Let's create something, you know, let's make a whole lot of universe and planets and we'll get this one planet though, but we'll make it the blue planet. There was none of that thinking. And I've gone through scripture over quite a period of time and I haven't even done a word study on eternity, but so many scriptures that talk about before the foundation of the world. And I've just kept coming across and I've got 10 so far, 10 different ones. There's the eternal gospel. There's the eternal kingdom. There's the eternal, um, uh, the wisdom is eternal, born in eternity. Uh, I love the one that so challenges me and blesses me and makes me keep coming back to over and over again was in, uh, in uh, Revelation chapter 13 and 1 Peter 2, where it says, or 1 Peter 1, it says, the lamb, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. The sacrifice of Jesus was not a course correction issue. It wasn't to bring, oh man, goodness me, we'll have to do something to redeem it. We've got the plan. But it wasn't. It wasn't. The lamb was slain, looked like it had been slain from before the foundation of the world. One Peter says that in Revelation. John says that. <coughs> And, and God keeps taking me back to what was in the heart of God in making this. Why did he make us? There is, there's something more to this than just a planet, a people that went wrong, that now goes through all this process for 6,000 years, waiting for the second coming and then going to heaven or getting saved and going to heaven. I think, no, you know that God is called Emmanuel, that he brands himself 
the God who dwells in the midst of you, that he says, I will make my home with you. I'm getting off on so many things. I'm so stretched with stuff. I'm so full of different things that keep coming to me. If I get onto this message, you'll be blessed one day. There was something in the heart of God. You know, in Jeremiah chapter one, it says about Jerusalem, that that's the place that I'll set up my throne. And, and it's over and over and over and over again. God in the midst of us, I will dwell amongst you. And I love it at the end of the story in Revelation, at the last, right at the end, it says, and now, and now the dwelling place of God will be with men. I think, what is this? I thought we we're going to wind it up and go to heaven. But it's not. There's something more to this and I'm exercised and stretched in my heart and understanding in my limited spirituality. How can finite interpret infinite? That's pretty hard to do. Pretty hard to do. But there's a plan and purpose of God and Isaiah 64, get on to it. We'll do a shortcut version. Verse 8, Isaiah 64, verse 8. Yet, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay and you are the potter. We are the work of your hands. And again, I go back and I think, why did you do this? Why? I, I am speechless sometimes. And I, I just, I, I, go, I go for walks regularly and I pray and just spend time with the Lord or ride my bike and do that. And sometimes I just say, who the heck are you? Because I'm baffled. I'm baffled at the extreme, extravagant, over-the-top, eye-popping, gobsmacking, jaw-dropping, amazing love of God. That's a good place to be. Amazed. He's the potter. And, and I go back to the beginning when God created. He, he's, he's a father that he's not a professional master craftsman. He's a father and he's a creator. A father will create. If God was a creator, almighty God, without being a father, he could be autocratic. He could be dominating, controlling. We would not know what to do. He'd be no different than most of the gods of all other religions. But he's a father He's a husband and he's a shepherd. All those are personal relationship issues. <coughs> and he's the one as a loving father creates. So if we go back to Genesis chapter one, we know this scripture, chapter one, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image. In our likeness, let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air, over the, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created, the word is Elohim, plural, and everything to do with God is not individualistic, it's always plural and community, always, 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 always. Created, he created us, he created man in his own image, in the image of God created him. Male and female, he created them and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. Do you realize that God has a deep, passionate, convinc uh, convinced in his own heart 
that He's here to take over the world. He, he's, he's not deluded. He's got a deep, passionate belief that He owns it and He's taking it. And He said from the very start, the evangelistic uh, outreach, the Great Commission started in the garden when He said, go and fill the whole earth. And there's eight scriptures that talk about the glory of the Lord shall fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. And do you know how deep the seas are? Do you know how deep the Pacific, how wide, broad and deep it is? I think Mount Everest would be lost in it if it was taken up, plucked up and then, you know, put in the Pacific Ocean, you wouldn't see it. Just imagine the glory of the Lord that deep over the whole planet. Is anybody alive out there? <laughs> Fill the whole earth. Then in chapter 2, the Lord God formed the man and that's the word human. It doesn't actually mean gender. It's human. The woman and the man, gender, were in the human. That's why God drew out of, of them himself. His character went into them. The DNA of God was in them. And it came out in a manifest form as man and woman, both equal, both anointed, both supreme, both given authority over the whole planet together. Hallelujah. He formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living soul. <clears throat> I have, I don't know whether it's a gift from God or whether it's just my own imagination, but I think God gives us a divine imagination. How many of you believe that? We all have a divine imagination. And God opens up things to me through that vehicle. And so he took me back to thinking about what actually happened there. Now, do you want to go on a journey back to the garden and see what God did? Now, this is Barry Winton's theological interpretation. You don't have to take it, but I'm throwing it out at you and you're stuck with me because I'm up here and you're down there. The first things, you know, God... God dreamt up these things. He, he had a dream. He had a vision. God in 3.1, the triangle of God, didn't want to remain a triangle. And someone said a triangle, a circle is a radical interpretation of a triangle. A radical interpretation. In other words, if you fill up the triangle, it's going to expand and expand and expand and become a big circle. And that's what God's intention was, to have a family, a community that that. I can't go there, I can't, I can't understand that. But anyway, he, he, he comes down and <laughs> creates this amazing planet. The, the, the whole livestock. How many of you ever go for a walk and just get amazed at creation? It's, it's just... Yeah, I can't say anything because it just makes me speechless. But in this creation, he's done all these things and he comes up to to create this man. He takes the dust. He takes clay. And he starts to shape this figure. He is making him by hand. Now, when I share this, I'm simply going to say, think about your born again experience. Think about what God did to you, for you, 
And when you were born again, and everyone's got different testimonies, got different stories to tell. What God did with Adam is what he did with us in different ways. He's, so he, he, I bring this out here that his hands were in the clay. He squeezed the clay. He felt the clay and his pleasure overflowed. His pleasure was being manifest. His pleasure was being demonstrated. What was conceived in the heart of God and the word formed both means um, birth and womb. Formed, and you'll see many times, before I formed you, I knew you. And we'll see, maybe we'll get on to some of those scriptures. But he formed us out of the conceiving on his heart, Adam and the purpose and the plan and this nation and this, this planet and the universe was conceived in the heart of God, in the womb of God, if I like to put it that way. God has a womb because he made women. And women are come out of him, a nurturing heart, a nurturing spirit. Praise God. And, and El Shaddai, God Almighty, most people only think of it that way, but it's the word shed is breast, the breasted one. And that's his heart because when you see woman and if we learn to see what God says, we will respect women. We'll honour women. We will raise them up to what they should be because in, together with them, we are like God walking in the Spirit. Handmade. We're handmade. You see, when I think of this, you and I were born in the womb of God in eternity. Before ever one day came to pass with us, before we were born in our mother's womb, God says He knew us. He knew our face. He knew our identity. He had set us apart for a purpose. He set us apart for um, a destiny, a high destiny, a high calling. It was in the heart of God and, and He, he <coughs> excuse me, I don't have COVID-19. Hallelujah. By the way, Matt, this is a good, a good drink bottle with a straw. <laughs> and also, Matt, I want to correct your theology. I am married to the most beautiful woman in all the world. <laughs> oh, and not only that, I'm 47 years married. Are you there? And, Matt... I tell everybody in every country I go to this truth. You've been married a couple of years. I've been married 47. I win. <laughs> so God shapes this. Then the amazing thing to me is he's down on his knees in the dirt. The humility of God. And he bows down. He bows brings his face down to Adam's face. And he breathes into him the breath of life. Same word is used in John 20 when Jesus appears to them on resurrection morning and he, he says, don't be afraid twice, peace be with you. And he says, he breathed on them. He breathed on them the breath of God. And both those terms there was not just CPR. Joan had a cardiac arrest 13 years ago. Was it that long? 12 years ago. 
And I didn't know how to do CPR. And I rang up Triple O. Great, praise God for Triple O. And they said, just do this and this and this and this. I said, okay. No breath, it wasn't the time. They said, just, just give compressions, just give compressions. 15 minutes before the three ambulances turned up. Everyone in the world wants to see Joan, even if she's unconscious. But it wasn't that sort of level of breath. It was everything from the depth of the heart of God. Everything, because breath is spirit, wind. It's the power, it's the core, it's the being, it's the DNA of God, it's who God is. And out of that innermost being, out came this breath into the dirt and his face is on the dirt. And it's probably the first recorded kiss in the Bible. Affection. And he breathes in. I can't do it except for a microphone. But it was a drawn out, strong. The being of God was imparted into the dirt and suddenly it starts to change. And flesh goes, the dirt goes pink or black or, or brown or I don't know what colour. Life came into that body and flesh came onto it and bone and blood and brain and all the, the, the systems and the nervous system and the cardiac system, the respiratory system, all the systems. It amazes me. I love looking at my own body in the sense and saying, how did that happen? This is amazing. This is amazing how all this works together. And, it, and he breathed into them. He breathed into them. And they were, he was, became a living soul. Next thing is, God's down there, face to face. And the first thing that happens, Adam's eyes open. Fully conscious, fully aware, fully coherent, all mobility, etc. And God's face is at his face. So the first thing he sees, he opens his eyes and he looks straight into the eyes of perfect love. He meets his father. And Adam is called the son of God. Luke chapter 2, it says, it goes through the genealogies down back through to Adam the Son of God. That's how it ends up, the genealogy. The Son of God. And then I see the Father stand up and reach out his hand. And Adam reaches up because he's, he's fixated on these eyes. He's fixated on this amazing who, what? He's, he's just come to life. And the first contact is this being over him, glorious and pure, and he lifts him up. And he stands in front of him. And you know what I believe he did next? He hugged him. He embraced him. And he imparted not just the breath to become a living soul, but his own love and affection into his son. Then he heard the voice. You are my beloved son. Now that's not in the scripture there, but he said he blessed them. He spoke a blessing. And he said that everything he created was good. And, and the last creation of the man and the woman was very good. And he affirmed them with a statement, just like Jesus 
in his baptism. Whatever you see there in a baptism is what God did in Adam. And he created him like himself and he breathed into him and his affection was poured into him. And then it says that they walked together. Where are we up to? Wow. They walked together in the garden in the cool of the day. Now that comes in chapter 3 when Adam and Eve had sinned and listened to the serpent and been deceived. But he did that regularly. He did that consistently. He was the father and he was walking with his kids through the garden in the cool of the day. And I didn't understand that till a couple of years ago here in a conference when one of the brothers shared about the fact that the cool of the day was the word spirit. Ruha, ruah. And it was in that time that they were walking together and it was the time when the, the wind of the spirit was blowing. And the fact is, that Adam and Eve heard the sound of God walking in the garden. They heard the sound. And again, that is breath, that is spirit. There was, and one of the commentators says, it's, it's like the flow, the stream of wind was blowing wherever God walked with his son and daughter. And I, I in my imagination, all the animals are being created by God. They know that he, God Almighty, is their father. And as, as God walks in the garden and the sound of him is a sweet sound, it's an attractive sound. And I see, I see the animals coming out from wherever they were, picking up their ears. You know how they do? Smelling the wind. And they all drawn, and they're all drawn. You've got these herds of animals all around the father walking with Adam and Eve and he's saying to him, what do you think this should be called, Adam? He gave him the vice region authority to name the animals and everything on the planet. He said, what do you think about this? What about that? And Adam had the, the discernment of the heart of God to know the particular need or the, the issue of the DNA of the animal. And so they walk together and the animals are there and there's a fellowship, there's a rich fellowship until that day when it broke the heart of the father that his son and daughter had run away and been deceived. But you take that back to yourself. Just take these illustrations back to your own life. When we responded to God, when we received Jesus Christ, he knew you in eternity. And I say to people, and I've dealt with a lot of people who have been abused in different ways. My wife and I have ministered to a number of women in sexual abuse or domestic violence and stuff like that. It's, it's, it's a powerful bondage. It's a powerful bondage. Even one woman that we went to see, that she just couldn't leave her partner. He was, he was a shocker, but she couldn't. There was like this tight chain of bondage between the two, and she couldn't because that was her security, but she was willing to live in pain. And, and we've ministered to those people and we say, look, you weren't born for this. It was never in the heart of God that you end up like this. You were born in the, in the, the womb of the Father in heaven. You were born in his heart. You were born to have a destiny and a purpose and along the way things have gone wrong, but he doesn't condemn you. He's inviting you. He's still inviting you. Come back, come back. And it doesn't matter how you were conceived in this world, if it was a one-night stand or rape or whatever else under the sun, which is cruel and wicked. It doesn't matter. That does not define you. 
What defines you is what happened in eternity in the heart of God. That replaces it all. That brings healing. That brings freedom. That brings life. That means you can trace your heritage back to eternal God. Hallelujah. Boy, you're missing out on a lot here. This always happens to me. I have my notes and the Holy Spirit always interrupts me and takes me on another tack. What can I do? (laughs) It's true. I love it. Just... I just want to finish up. I'll skip a whole lot. Jeremiah 18, verse 1 to 6. And just quickly, we've only got nine minutes left before we move on to our communion groups. And I pray you have a rich time doing that. We're enjoying it. We've had three people internationally join our group, um, three of them in America, one in Texas, one in Georgia, I think, and one in New York at 4 a.m. in the morning because they wanted to sit up and catch what's going on here. It's just great praying across the world. Anyway, God says to Israel, they're backslidden, they've gone out the door, and it's all, everything to do with God and Israel is husband and wife. That's the issue. If you take it down to that basic issue, it's not all the other stuff that's important. It's a matter of a marriage relationship, a covenant of love, and the amazing love the Father has for Israel in spite of their constant apostasy. And in this, he says, Jeremiah, go down to the, the potter's house because I'm going to teach you something. I'm going to show you something. We started off with the father is the potter. And in this story, he says, so I went down and I saw, I saw the potter working a pot of clay in his hands. But it says the pot was marred in his hands. And I feel this is significant just as I share this to everybody tonight to finish up this, that the pot was marred in his hands. And it wasn't the fault of the potter. And I don't believe it's the fault of the clay that represents us, the people that he's shaping. You see, he's shaping our lives. <coughs> he's molding our lives. The model, the model of our life and the end picture is Jesus Christ. Romans 8:29, that we might be conformed to the image of Christ. He's the model. He's sitting there as the model. The Father's looking at the model. He's not looking at the sin. He's not looking at the condemnation. He's not looking at the the things that have been done in the flesh or the wrong way you've gone or how you were born born and where you are now. Are you a prostitute or you this or that or a murderer or or a deceiving lion, whatever. It doesn't, he's not looking at that. His job is not to correct that. He's done that through the blood of Jesus Christ. And he's looking at his son and he's molding us in his hands. Handmade, hand-shaped to look exactly like the son. <coughs> oh, I had a prophecy about the, the, sun, the moon and the, the planets lining up, but I'll have to leave that. The, <coughs> he says, go down. And, and, and what does the potter do? He doesn't throw the clay out. It's like useless stuff. I've had this. Who's not mixing this properly? He, he just dismantles it. And I'll read it just to finish off. Isaiah, where, what am I doing? Six, um, 
Jeremiah. Where's Jeremiah? I keep going the wrong way. Chapter 18. And I just want to encourage you because people feel like they're on the scrap heap because they failed God somehow or other. They feel like they stuffed up, or if that's the right word. Um, They feel, and I I know this, I used to feel that way. I, I was living in condemnation most of my Christian life until I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and then started to come through into new things. And he says here, I'll give you a message. Verse three, so I went down to the potter's house and saw him working at the wheel, but the pot was shaping was of clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as seemed best to him. And I was in Vanuatu in the early 90s and I was speaking over there as a three-week conference. I was a middle week and there were two speakers either side of me. And I, I was looking at this and God spoke to me out of it. And he said, Barry, there's no secondhand goods with me. There's no second plan. There's no alternative to my best. And he said, tell the people I have a first best plan. And if the clay's marred in my hand, I have a second first best plan. And if that's mucked up, I have a third first best plan. The end goal is Christ. Conform to the image of Christ. And, and I say, it's not a matter of your ability or non-ability. It's a matter of the heart of God. It's his good pleasure. He takes pleasure in us. He so delights in us. In Jeremiah chapter 9, it says, Let him who boasts, boast in this, that I am the God of justice and who delights, delights, delights in showing mercy. He loves it. He's, he's in his element when he's pouring out mercy. And I say to the, about the countries, the, 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 uh, the nations and so on, this morning the sun rose again. It was six degrees or seven degrees where we were uh, at that time of the morning. And the sun rose and bathed. It bathed. It bathed the bayside in this glorious sun. And it's like heaven is crying out, mercy to you, mercy to you. For the mercies of God are new every morning. They will not fail you. They will not change because that's the heart of God. He's pouring out mercy. And when you see the sun, and Joan went and sat over in the in the sun, part to do her meditations and devotions this morning and she sat in the sun and I was preaching in a particular country where there's a lot of cattle and 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 uh, animals like that and it's right down the end of the church and there's the there's the buffalo down there chewing the cud they're all doing the meditation because meditation means chewing the cud and it was cold and they're all rugged up they're only bush church buildings And it's cold. But I tell you what, as soon as the meeting was over and everyone was there, nobody stayed inside. They all went out and stood in the sun like meerkats. They soaked up the sun. And that's the mercy of God. You soak up the mercy of God. I better finish up. Forgive me, I haven't even got it halfway. But if you feel like you're marred, broken, 
If you feel like you've lost it, you failed God and you've turned away, he is chasing after you. And I say to people, man, he's chasing you down, baby. You'll never get away. You won't get away from his goodness. And he'll embrace you. See, his method of restoration is not judgment. His method of restoration is to bathe you in his mercy. Come to the Father. Come to the Father. Darlene Check wrote a great song years ago. And I wrote down the words. I'm not sure how accurate they were, but I just want to pray for you. If you need to, do you know this Father? Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you come to that place where the breath of Jesus Christ has come into you and something shifts, something changes, something moves on the inside of you and you come to life, a living soul? And it says here, before the world began, you were on his mind. And every tear you cried are precious in his sight. Because of his great love, he gave his only son and everything was done so you could come. Respond. The invitation is out there. If you've got breath in your lungs, even if you're sick and battling and you can pray, just say, Jesus, Jesus Christ, I want to come to you. I want to get my life in your hands because I don't like it in mine. Come into my life. Change me, renew me, breathe your breath of life into me. I want to discover the Father. Just do that and you'll be richly, 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 amazingly changed. So Father, I thank you tonight as we close. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for the power of your love, your method of justice, your method of righteousness is abundant love. We thank you for all these ones listening tonight. We just pray your grace to continue with each one now as they transition over to communion groups. Let the ministry of the Holy Spirit continue in each of those groups now in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great night together, girls and boys. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.